Live from WNUR News, I'm Nick Song. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Monday, October 4th. Tonight, students take to the streets protesting Greek life amidst new allegations. Woke up this morning, got yourself a gun? A look at the Sopranos prequel, Many Saints of Newark. And a look at this week's weather. Those stories and more coming up on WNUR News. Students took to the streets on Sunday, September 26th, after reports emerged of individuals being unknowingly drugged at Greek life gatherings. The protests are the latest demonstrations calling for the abolishment of Northwestern's Greek life. Reporter Maria Jimena Aragon covered the protests that night as they unfolded. it out see what's happening you know so i mean uh, i've heard like we've gotten emails about literal crime notice alerts about what's happening at these frats and i mean obviously there isn't not right and i mean the university has to do something to change it and i mean yeah coming out here and i think what everyone's doing is great and to see so many students out here i mean honestly i'm just like really disgusted by like the things that happened and the fact that it happened twice like two nights in a row and I am really disgusted by some of the things that I've heard people say about he's a good guy we don't know it's true it's just a rumor things like that it's just really gross I really thought we were past it I am sad to see so many people like that on my campus and I'm really happy that so many people came out but like something needs to be done because it's it's just heartbreaking. Those were the voices of Weinberg freshman Sophie Ann Rahali and communication sophomore Alexis Diaz-Waterman, who on September 26th were part of the demonstrations that took place outside of the Alpha Epsilon Pi and Sigma Alpha Epsilon fraternity houses. The latest of student-led action against Greek life on Northwestern's campus. Over the weekend of September 24th and the 25th, Northwestern police received multiple reports of druggings from individuals who attended gatherings at the A-Pi and SAE houses. The crime notices cited the addresses of the incidents, but neither notice identified the fraternities by name. That weekend, a red and black graphic asking students to bring signs and wear black to support survivors Sunday night made its rounds on social media. A task headed up by event organizer and Medill sophomore Maggie Sullivan. Yeah, so the main motivator behind organizing the protests was catharsis. I think the amount of intense things that were happening were that were all coinciding, even just on like a basic individual level was overwhelming. And so having that space was necessary, in particular because the university was not going to provide one. I knew that there needed to be something beyond that. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter in particular wanting to have some sort of in-person action or protest. And so I organized it with the help of a few people who have more experience in um, this organizing abolitionist space than I um, got their advice and um, went from there. 
In the wake of other campus movements such as NUCNC and Solar NU, Northwestern University is grappling with the demands for change from its community. As students held signs that read, the system is broken, abolish Greek life, and protect survivors, the events that unfolded that night not only garnered attention from local and national media outlets, but is also part of a larger conversation surrounding Greek life culture and accountability. I think um, we have to be acting on the assumption that a survivor is in every room. Um, and that is because, of course, um, there are many survivors who do not trust the system because of its carceral nature. And there are a lot of people who don't find any validation in that system. And we need to listen to them um, and not focus our energy around um, the perpetrators and rather focus on creating supportive community. Students transition back to in-person learning and many never having stepped foot on campus. Freshman Elliot Hansen and Justice Gardner share their thoughts. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't really matter like who was like the perpetrator, like who was the person who actually committed the act. It's just the fact that like, you know, those parties, that culture just facilitates like a dangerous situation for everyone. So it's like if we want a safer community, we need to show up to things like this. What actions would you like Northwestern to take specifically with what happened and hopefully for this not to happen in the future? Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like they should certainly dismantle like SAE, like the IFCs. I hadn't even heard about it until today, so I'm glad that I'm like learning more. But I think that just like those institutions that Northwestern clearly is still supporting, they need to, you know, put their foot down. And I think the students that were involved do need to be punished to the fullest extent of the law according to what they did. I think, you know, we should take it more seriously than what they're saying, which is, you know, they were allegedly, you know, drugged without consent. Like, you know, there's obviously more behind that than just being drugged without consent. Like, there was an aftermath that could have happened and, you know, attempted rape could be one of those things. Like, Effective immediately, all social and recruiting activities at fraternities in the IFC are prohibited through at least October 17th, subject to change as the investigation continues. On October 1st, an email was sent to students outlining the several actions the university has undertaken to, quote, protect the health, safety, and well-being of our community, end quote. Personal outreach and support from student affairs for each student who reported these incidents, as well as the addition of walk-in appointments for counseling and psychological services were some of the actions listed. But as the investigation remains open, this continues to be a developing story. We have seen in so many ways over the last year and a half, um, and of course beyond that, but specifically in the last year and a half, how the practices that are upholding these um, Greek, -like, Greek life organizations are not only discriminatory, not only classist, um, and playing into all of these um, existing forms of bigotry, 
but also like actively harmful towards current students in ways that are very tangible and that we let that fall by the wayside and instead tout like public facing philanthropy and other initiatives. And yeah, we just can't let them off the hook. Reporting live from Evanston, Illinois, this is Maria Jimena Aragon, WNUR News. After the break, a look at the many Saints of Newark, featuring insights from the cast members themselves. WNUR News will return after these messages. Stay tuned. Here at the GED Pep Talk Center, we've got a pep talk that can motivate you. Sometimes things don't always turn out the way you want them to. You can improve your future. Now get your game face on and take the first step towards a better life. Hurry up. Don't make me repeat myself. Whatever level of motivation you need, we've got a pep talk for you. Call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org for your pep talk and for free classes in your area. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Take a deep breath in and let go of the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you hit that pinata into your neighbor's yard. Let it go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Hey, what's up? Holla at ya, boy. XOXOXO. You getting these texts? Question mark. Where are you? What are you doing? OMG, you are making me mad. You better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at that'snotcool.com. That'snotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back to WNUR News on 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's 6.11 Central Time. I'm Nick Song. Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, who needs friends when you have streaming services? But remember spending $30 on the movie theater experience? WNUR News' own Sarah Cadora has one option for, mo for moviegoers this weekend. Imagine a screen bigger than your TV, a sound system better than your speakers, butter on your fingers that homemade popcorn just can't compete with. After a year and a half of delayed releases and state-mandated closures, this reporter is seriously ready for a night at the movies. A new release is The Many Saints of Newark, a soprano story. Full disclosure, Warner Brothers set me up with an advanced screening and invited me to interview some of the actors. The film is a prequel to The Sopranos, the wildly successful HBO series that ran from 1999 to 2007. Another disclosure, I've never seen The Sopranos, so I figured I'd better talk to a fan first. My name is Brendan Kaplan. I'm a junior and my major is radio, television, and film. 
I knew it was an acclaimed show. It was one of those shows like The Wire that people talked about as like, this is the greatest of all time. And so I watched the pilot episode and thought it was fantastic. These aren't necessarily protagonists. They're killing people. They're hurting other families. They are not doing things that are generally admirable, but they are protagonists. And it's it's something that's since been copied in tons of TV shows. The one that's most notable that I can think about is like Breaking Bad. So are you aware that there is a prequel coming out? Yes, I'm excited for it, <laughs> for sure. It stars James Gandolfini's son Michael Gandolfini as Tony Soprano. From the trailer, they look exactly the same. It's like in Straight Outta Compton when they put O'Shea Jackson in for Ice Cube because he's his son. And, and they looked nearly identical and made those performances really, really riveting. The, the rest of the cast is insane. It, like, it's insanely good. You have Ray Liotta, who's been in every big mob movie. He was in, like, Goodfellas. This isn't a mob movie. He was just in Marriage Story um, <laughs> as, the, as the lawyer. Um, but he's a brilliant actor. You have Vera Farmiga. She also is Oscar-nominated. She's done a lot of, like, indie films. Incredibly talented. You have Leslie Odom Jr., Hamilton, uh, Aaron Burr. Uh, John Bernthal, who was Shane in The Walking Dead. Another great actor, just just an incredibly stacked cast. Most of the film's major characters, like Tony Soprano, are younger versions of those portrayed in the original series. Some, like Tony's Uncle Dickie, were alluded to but not fleshed out. But a few, like Harold McBrayer, were created for the film decades after the show premiered. Leslie Odom Jr., who won an Oscar nod for his performance in One Night in Miami, plays the employee-turned-rival of the Soprano family. So you, perhaps more than the other characters, really embodied this new element that the, that the movie brought in that the original series didn't touch on. I was just wondering what your connection was with the series and what it felt like to step into that world. Hmm, thanks for your question. I was really I came in I think my experience was would have been something akin to the actors in the original series and that uh, they were just trying to get better from season to season week to week getting these original David Chase scripts and saying these words for the first time that was my experience I, I didn't come in as a fan of the show per se I'm a card carrying member of the of the fan club now but I, I knew it was, a, it was an amazing opportunity to get to add on to the mythology, expand this world, to, to be a part of that in any way. I knew that there was a rabid fan base and, and, a, and a thoughtful fan base, a smart, thinking crowd of people that loved this show. So I just wanted to hopefully offer a character that was as psychologically rich and interesting as they've grown accustomed to from David. Playing in a theater near you October 1st. Or, if a trip to the movies isn't for you, streaming on HBO Max through October 31st. For WNUR News, I'm Sarah Cadora. Welcome back to WNUR News on 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's 6.16 Central Time. I'm Nick Song. WNUR News will return just after these quick messages.
Here at the GED Pep Talk Center, we've got a pep talk that can motivate you. Sometimes things don't always turn out the way you want them to. You can improve your future. Now get your game face on and take the first step towards a better life. Hurry up. Don't make me repeat myself. Whatever level of motivation you need, we've got a pep talk for you. Call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org for your pep talk and for free classes in your area. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Amnesty International is a worldwide organization dedicated to promoting human rights. Amnesty conducts letter-writing campaigns and tries to raise public awareness about capital punishment, police brutality, and torture in the United States and abroad. For more information about Amnesty International, you can check their national website at www.aiusa.org. This message brought to you by WNUR. Allison is perfect. I mean, she'd never tell you that. She's humble and perfect. She likes everyone. She even likes her untidy roommate's weird guinea pig. Allison, wait, are you texting and driving? Allison, no, that's the exact opposite of what I was just saying about you. Why, Allison, why? Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back. WNUR's News' Sarah Cadora attended an advanced screening of the movie as part of a Warner's Brothers press junket for college journalists. Sarah and her fellow journalists then had the opportunity to interview several of the starring actors over Zoom. Before we get into that, Sarah is here to provide some context on the story. Sarah? Thanks, Nick. And shout out to my fellow students who I thought asked questions that were really worthy of broadcasting. So I've edited together some highlights from the event. A couple of quick clarifications. The first question you'll hear answered is by Alessandro Nivola, who played Tony Soprano's uncle Dickie. The second is from Michael Gandolfini, cast as Tony himself. And finally, you'll hear actor Leslie Odom Jr. weigh in on the film. Here it is. Uh, hi, um, Joshua Lee. I'm from the Daily UW. I want to congratulate you guys on the premiere yesterday at Tribeca. Um, thank, you. thank you. Thanks a lot. I just want to, my first question is for Alessandra. Dickie Mosasanti is, of course, I would consider like the emotional core of the film. And of course, he uses pre-existing character as well. But a lot of what we hear about him is kind of uncertain. Did David Chase have a lot of input for who he saw as Dickie for the role or did you have a lot of room yourself to sort of build him up? Um, <clears throat> well, when we first started filming, he had told me that I shouldn't pay any attention to anything anyone said in the series about the character because they're all liars. And, uh, you know, it's true in a sense that everybody's, you know, Chrissy's and, and Tony's impression of, of Dickie are, are shaped partly on, you know, legend passed down from people in the in the neighborhood and from families and in tony's case you know he had a sense of this man that was like a, his public persona and and the real tragedy of the relationship between tony and dickie is that he never really got to know what was going on inside of of dickie and and uh, the way that he was unraveling emotionally and psychologically 
And, uh, you know, had Dickie been able to share that with Tony somehow, it, you know, it might have set Tony on a different path. But no, I, I, you know, that was really liberating to not feel that I had to, you know, honor something that had been said about him or ways that he'd been described in the show and that I had total uh, freedom to, to invent the character from my imagination and from my research over the six months that uh, we had before starting the, the shoot. And Benny, you can take the next question. Hi guys, uh, I'm Benny. Uh, I'd first like to congratulate you guys on a, a great movie I saw last night and I really enjoyed it. Right. So, uh, so Michael, I, I'd like to ask you, you know, what emotional impact did betraying your father have on you? You know, that's such like a big part of the movie for me. So I just really want to know. Yeah, you know, I think when you get down to creating a character, one of the things that I sort of focused on was having these little bite-sized chunks. I didn't think too much about the macro, but instead the micro, like, okay, the accent, okay, his mannerisms, sort of like had these little things so that if I thought about playing Tony Soprano or an iconic character or even, you know, my dad, I think I would have become overwhelmed. So it mostly became sort of what was right in front of me on that day. And, and getting six months with Sandro prepping really helped, I think, form Tony and Dickie's relationship. It, it sort of became really easy to, to do that. So I, I just, I didn't think about it too much. You know, when I watched the movie for the first time, I felt so much pride that me and him got to do it together. I really got to do this with my dad as his son, as you know, two Gandolfinis, and, and also like as, as two actors. I, I don't think I learned anything about my dad, you know, cause I was playing Tony, I wasn't playing James, but I uh, felt that I, I learned a, a new respect for all that he accomplished and sort of had a new sort of respect actor and actor toward my dad. And Meek, you can take the next one. Yeah, hi, my name's Mick. I'm from the Michigan Daily. Something that jumped out of me in both the series and this movie is that uh, the characters are a little racist. <laughs> Especially, you know, you have Joey Coco Diaz doing the white flight joke, which it, it, it plays with something at the time and uh, they do touch on it in the show but I was just really curious how do you feel a story like this with the racial tension and with these jokes plays in 2021 and to the audience that you're trying to get to now well we I mean you know Leslie should answer some of it and we should answer some of it I, you know I can just speaking for David I guess uh, from based on my conversations with him about it all, I think his main objective was to uh, try and depict the language and attitudes and behavior of of these guys at this time as like brutally honestly as he could, you know, not to in any way trying to sugarcoat the way that people spoke and, and the, the way that people interacted with black people, I mean, the way that the Italians interacted with black people at the time, and to not pretend that those attitudes weren't there. 
you know, as you know, obviously in a politically charged climate, it's a, a delicate thing. And I mean, it had Harold not been as compelling a character, you know, in the hands of a less compelling and, and powerful presence of an actor than Leslie, the, the whole movie could have been missing that counterweight. And had that been the case, then I think we might have had a, a, a bigger problem, which was that, you know, you have these these Italian characters expressing racist language and attitudes without a black perspective that, uh, you know, was equally compelling. And so I think Leslie really does deserve a lot of the credit for balancing the movie that way. Hey, man, I, I appreciate it. That's nice of you to say. But, you know, my feeling is do not clean it up. Not for me. You know, the, bra the, the bravest thing you can do, if art can be brave, if it can be, <laughs> we all know there's real, there's real bravery, there's real heroes, but if the bravest thing you can do is to knock out the fourth wall and let us see you live as you are, to show us, to show us the ugly parts, you know, you showing me that forces me to look at the ugliness within myself. So anyway, I, I appreciate it because, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a look into into the kitchens and into the living rooms and the dining rooms that I, I'm not privy to. And and were the story reversed, you know, I would want to do the same thing. I'd want to. Yeah, I wouldn't want to clean it up either. Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 626 Central Time. I'm Nick Song. Eyeglasses. Fool gold, fool's gold spirituality, what do these things have in common? I have no idea. Here's the weather. Tuesday and Wednesday, expect temperatures in the mid to high 60s. There's going to be rain and lots of it. Thursday and Friday, around a quarter of an inch. Those showers should clear up on Saturday with highs in the, in the late 70s. Well, that's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other stories of the day on our Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Check us out, too, on our brand new website, wnur.news. Again, that's wnur.news. On behalf of our producer, Sarah Cadora, and reporter Maria Jimena Aragon, and all of us here at WNUR News, I'm Nick Song. Thank you for joining us. Tune in Wednesday at 6 p.m. for your next WNUR News.